Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. bottom that if you're willing to during service at any time to tear that off and fill it out you can take it to guest services we have a free gift that we would love to give you for doing that it's a t-shirt and a gift bag just our way of saying thank you so much for being with us so please feel free to do that at any time during the message today a couple things i want to make sure that you know about we just wrapped up 21 days of prayer yesterday and tonight Tonight will be day 22, and I need some day 22 people. Are there any day 22 people out there that are going to join us for prayer tonight? Awesome. So if you've never joined us for an hour of prayer, let me just encourage you that it is a, an hour of guided prayer. So even if you don't know how to pray, you can come be a part of it. We'll tell you how to do it, and we'll walk you through what it looks like. You, you wouldn't believe how quickly an hour goes. Some of you said, an hour of prayer? I don't talk to God for more than two minutes, Pastor. That's all right. I'll show you what to do and how you can do it. The worship band will be here as well, and we'll have an incredible time of prayer. So be here tonight at 6 p.m., all right? And then this is another huge announcement coming off of this 21 days of prayer, something that is so part of everything that we do, something that I look forward to. We, we do them in seasons throughout the year, but our grow groups are ready and available for you to check out as of this morning. So please... Please, please. Yeah, there's, there's like one person excited. Can, whoever that was, could you get up and run around the room to make it sound like everybody's excited about grow groups, please? But, but grow groups are, are opportunities for you to connect with other people, get to know some people, and, and learn how to follow Jesus better, because we do that together, right? We do it better together. So, so, so here's what you do. If you'd like to sign up for a group, there is, you'll probably notice when you came in today, a big blue tent in the lobby. And you're like, why in the world is that tent there? Well, our grow group leaders are going to be there underneath that tent directly after service today, and they would love to meet you there, and they're going to get you signed up. Everything's digital this year, and so you don't have to worry about having your own device, but if you do, uh, you, they'll help you do that, or they'll do it on their mobile device, and we'll get you signed up for the group that you would like to be in and, uh, and, and help you do that. So stop by the blue tent directly after service. The groups launch next week, so right after Labor Day. The groups launched that week, so make sure you sign up this week. You can also do it right now from your mobile device. If you have the Simple Church app, you can open that up and click on Grow Groups. It'll take you right to it, so feel free to do that. Spaces are limited in some of the classes, so, so make sure you act quickly because some of them may go pretty fast, all right? Okay, cool. Let's jump into what we're doing today. We are in week two of a series that we are calling Reach, and the reason that we're doing this is, is let me carefully explain to you, is that we're in a season where people are ready to return to church. There's, there's several seasons throughout the year. In the beginning of the year and September, people start coming back to church. We're, we're not really sure what it is. Maybe it's the holiday slump and it's the summer slump, but people are deciding, hey, I'm ready to go either back to church or I'm looking for a church. And since, since we know this season exists, this, this series is all about preparing you for how to reach people and how to, to invite them to church, yes, but also to, to share Jesus with them. And so... Uh, as a church, we have a vision uh, statement. It's up on our wall, and if you're not familiar with it, let me share it with you real quick. It, it's reaching people far from God and 
teaching them to follow Jesus step by step. That's why we exist as a church. That's what we're here to do is to reach people that are far from God. And that's why our services are structured in such a way that lost people love to come here. They feel welcome. They're, they're, they feel welcome to come into our environments. And, and they love coming here. They love their kids coming here. And so, so we're, we're all about the lost. We're all about people that are far from God here. But everything is structured for them. In fact, if if you're a Christian or already a Christ follower and you like church that's just for you, you're probably not going to like this place because this, this church exists for lost people, amen? And so a lot of times, though, people read that vision statement, the reaching people far from God, and they look at that and they go, all right, they interpret it to understand that that means it's simple church's job to do that, a.k.a. Pastor Aaron's job to be the one reaching everybody. And this is, this is not accurate. In fact, it's, it's biblically way off. Uh, we all have a personal responsibility to be reaching. Yes, we're going to reach as a church, but you have a responsibility to do that. And that's what this series is about. I want to equip you to do that. That's my job, is to equip you to reach people, especially during this season. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but before we do that, I want to share another way that, that you can reach out. Yes, we have a, a personal responsibility to do it, but we also have a, a very personal responsibility to support other people that are doing that. And so these people are typically called missionaries, right? And these people are people that we send out into areas that we can't or won't go to. And, and those people need prayer support. Those people need encouragement. Those people need financial support. And so we have missionaries that we support all over the world. And today, one of our friends is here. We actually met Katie Carter in uh, El Salvador last year when we were there. And uh, she was our team leader, which equals she made sure nobody died, okay? That's what she did. And, uh, and she was, she's, she, look, when you, when, you see, when you get to meet Katie, you know, she, she is a hoot. She is so much fun. And she's here with us today, and she wants to share a little bit about what she's doing. Now, let me, let me tell you this up front. Uh, Katie, Katie, <laughs> she's, listen, this is Katie. She was responsible for it on our last day there in El Salvador. We, we all gathered to have a farewell service. And they usually give a gift to the pastor and his wife. The year before, we got some anointing oil and a picture frame. But this year, when we were there, they gave us a, a machete that said King's, King's Castle. You see it displayed prominently in my office. And they, gave, they gave, me, gave us one of these things. You know, it's in a nice sheath. It's beautiful. And Katie decides to say, somebody should knight him. And we all start laughing. And then Don, you know, Don Triplett is the, the missionary. They, the, he is the Don, right? I'm just saying. And he says, it should be Julio, which is the local pastor we were working with. And something very funny turned into something very serious. And so I, I knelt down, and Julio, like, knighted me and prayed this beautiful prayer over me. And, and, and that's just the kind of fun we were having all week. It was just incredible. Would you please welcome Katie Carter as she comes and joins us today to share for a few minutes what God is doing in her life. And, 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 and I'm going to share this because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Katie's going to be bold about it. But, but look, she, she's, she's here today for, for several reasons. Yes, to, to be a blessing here and, and to share what God is doing in her life and where he's sending her. But, but also know that, that we have a personal, an individual responsibility to support people like Katie. And, I, and I'm just going to tell you, Katie told me when she came here, they're, they're, they have to raise monthly support and able to, go, to be able to go out onto the field, Okay. And Katie needs about $1,000 a month in monthly support. Now, I realize when I say $1,000, everybody just said, nope, can't help her. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Isn't that what you're supposed to do, Pastor? So let me, let me, let me waka, waka, break it down for you, all right? If 100 of us, 100 individually, 
took $10 a month and supported her, she'd be at her goal. She wouldn't have to go to any other church. She'd be able to get out onto the field a lot faster because you can't go until that's raised. Is that correct? And so listen, show her some love. Let her share her story. And I want you to be listening not only to her but to the Holy Spirit. How can you be involved? How, how can you be involved? Can, can you give a one-time gift? Can you, can you support her monthly? What, what would you do? What would that Lord lead you to do? We're Christ followers, amen? That's, that's what we're supposed to do. Ask, how would you have us do that? So, Katie, go ahead and share some of your story. Thank you. It's great to be here tonight. You know, I'm just going to honor you. Um, I had a These are our daughters. They are girls of grace, spirit, and humor. They are girls who attend school every day despite difficult home lives that often include alcoholism, abuse, or neglect. And now, instead of going home after school, they can come here to Chicas de Promesa. Chicas de Promesa is an empowerment club for at-risk adolescent girls in Costa Rica. It's a safe place for them to study, build friendships, and have fun. We mentor girls to help them live the lives they deserve, whatever their circumstances. Most importantly, we show them that their worth is found in Christ alone, not in a culture that exploits or discards them. These are girls of strength, of dignity, and of great potential. These are girls of promise. Come on, give Katie some love one last time. So let me, let me quickly give you some information about how you can support her. And I, and I want to share one more thing she told me last night as we were sitting there talking. She said that um, this missionary is working just with the girls. And one day there was a knock at the door. And uh, they, they went to the door. And, and, and it was two little boys that were there. And the, uh, the young men were there with a letter, and on that letter was written the words, the boys of this community want to know Jesus too. And so they not only are doing chicas, chicas de promesa, but they're doing chicos de promeso, promesa, promeso, okay, oh promesa, all right, see, I Spanish, it's good, I Spanish. <laughs> So anyway, so, so there's, they're starting multiple ministries, and here's how you can help Katie, all right? One, one of two ways here, uh, or, or three really, uh, you can give in today's offering, and, uh, and, and you can mark on your offering envelope, and remember this would be above your tithing, you give your regular giving, but mark on there Katie, and it doesn't matter how you spell it, right? That's cool, so, but it's, it's a K, but anyway, um, so you write Katie on there, and write the dollar amount that you want to go there, to her, and 100% of your offering today will go to her. Additionally, if you're somebody who uses our app to give, you can go on the app, and now it has General Giving, World Missions, and Katie Carter. So if you choose Katie Carter on the app, you can give directly to her. And then you can meet her in the lobby today. If you want to sign up for monthly support, uh, she has a form that you can fill out, and that would help her incredibly. So, so please be in prayer about that. Listen to the Holy Spirit as we continue through our service today, and that would be uh, excellent. So, all right, so let's go ahead and continue what we're doing today. So, so... So this reaching people is something that's really, really important to Jesus. 
not, not only here and in your personal life, but, but around the globe with, with, with missionaries like Katie. And so Jesus actually started his ministry this way in Matthew 4. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you. Now, if you don't know what this verse says... You might guess what Jesus said. Follow me and I'll make you more, or I'll make you holy. Or follow me and I'll make you more spiritual. Follow me and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll make you read your Bible and pray a little more. Follow me and I'll make you more disciplined. Follow me and I'll get you out of trouble. Follow me and I'll make you rich, you know, where you're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the field. You're blessed when you come and you go. No, that's, that, none of that is what Jesus said. What he said is, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, he was saying, so once you're caught, once you're a follower of his, you're no longer a fish, you're now a fisherman. You're, you're, you're joining the team. Your job is to fish for other people. Now, I realize that when we do messages like this, if you didn't know this is what we were talking about today, that, that the tension in the room kind of builds because people are like, man, I don't like messages like this because you, you feel a little bit embarrassed when you share your faith or maybe, maybe it conjures up a, a specific emotions that you've experienced. Or you say, well, Aaron, it's difficult. It's just too hard for me to, to, do, to share my faith. But, I, but I'm here to tell you that not only is, is it necessary for you to fish, but it's one of the greatest experiences that a Christian can possibly have. Is, is to win somebody to Jesus, to, to, to see them give their lives to him. And so I want you to know that joy. I want you to know that experience of seeing somebody say yes. But, but in order to do that, to know that joy, it requires you knowing how to do it right. And so last week what we did was we built a foundation on this whole thing and, and helped you understand how important it is to Jesus that we be fishers of men. In fact, we showed you all the places that he talked about it because it's a, a really, really big deal to him. If you weren't here last week, make sure you listen to it. You can catch it on Facebook. We have the videos posted live there, but we also have our podcast and you can check that out. But, but, but just know that you need to check that out. And today, we're going to have a real, this is the practical portion of the whole message. I'm going to help you, and I think you'll like today's talk. And next week, I'm going to help you with the specific words. Say, like, what do I even say when I'm sharing my faith with somebody? Because I, I've heard from people already, they're like, Aaron, I don't know. If I get into conversation with somebody, you, what, what happens if, they're, if they know their stuff a little better than I do? I mean, I might convert to whatever it is they believe. So, like, you know, I need you to help me. And so next week, I'll help you out. I'll give you some, some, some good one-liners and, and good, good ways to answer when people ask you about your faith, and, 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 and I'll help you talk about your faith next week. But this week, I want to give you something that, that, that is one word that keeps showing up in this fishing process. It's first found in Proverbs 11.30. This is Old Testament. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. In other words, the result of godly and holy living isn't perfection. It's that your life is better and that you'll bring life into your situations and other people's lives. That's what a tree of life is, right? It says, and he who wins souls is, everybody, wise. Today I want to talk to you about the wisdom of fishing. And let's take a look at Colossians. This is New Testament. It says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. In other words, think about how you're going to interact with them. Be wise in the way you talk to people who aren't yet Christians, okay? And he says, make the most of every opportunity, of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace. In other words, don't get into fights with people. 
Don't get, don't get mixed up in this mine versus yours. Don't, don't, don't do it the way that the world goes about it. And it continues and says, seasoned with salt. So, so let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Make it taste good so that, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so there's three areas as we look at this fishing wisdom that we need to be wise and, uh, and, and the Bible talks about this, and it's going to help us out today. Because, you know, fishing takes wisdom. Anybody ever gone fishing before? Did anybody go without anybody telling you how to do it? Like, it's, it's not a fun experience. When you try to fish and don't know the best places to go, if you, when you go and don't realize that, hey, you're not supposed to rock the boat, you're not supposed to be loud and play loud music or the right kind of lures to use or the, even the right kind of bait to use, you're, you're not going to have a successful fishing trip. You need wisdom. And so the Bible has a lot to say about how we need to be wise. And one of the first ways we need to be wise is we need to be wise in our moment. If you're taking notes, this is the first way that we need to be wise. It's it's in our moment. See, God is constantly at work in our lives in something that we call intersections. God is the author, the divine author of of connections, all your connections and your intersections throughout the day. He, he creates moments and divine appointments for you to intersect or have your path cross with people throughout the day. And God builds his kingdom this way. He builds his kingdom through relational intersections. Now, I wouldn't tell you that every, or I'm going to tell you that not every intersection is random. They're God-ordained. And we need to be wise and recognize that. In fact, Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Your steps are ordered by God. You may think that you're in control, but God is ordering your steps. In fact, in Proverbs it says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step. He's in charge of your daily intersections, your, your crossing path with all kinds of people. You may keep a calendar, but it is, if you're a Christ follower, it is God that is ordering your day. And, and he loves to do that. And so we need to become more aware of the fact that God is doing that. We need to be alert and awakened to the fact that he's bringing people into your life when you least expect it. And these could be divine appointments that he's done. So we need to spend our time asking God, is this one of those important intersections? Is this one of those important conversations? I had a guy who, who uh, got himself into some trouble, and he had court-mandated anger management classes, and he was so upset. He's like, I can't believe this. You know, now I'm a Christ follower. This is something that happened in my past, and why do I have to go to this? And I said, bro, I said, maybe it's not so much that you need to go through this. Maybe someone in that class needs you to go through it so that you can share God's love with them. And that changed everything. He began to think about his world differently. He began to think about those classes differently. And we need to think about that as well. Like everything that we're going through, good and bad, may all be just to cause us to cross paths with someone. So there are three practical ways for us to be wise in our moments that God is creating for us. The first thing is to be intentional in your relationships. Be, be intentional in your relationships. What if every relationship, even the bad ones, what if every relationship God was the author of them? What would happen if we considered them this way? I think you'd look at your bank teller differently, the one that you see every week. I think you'd look at the person who does your hair differently. I think you'd look at that waitress who's serving you your meal this afternoon differently. What if this person that that is in my life right now is somebody that God brought into my life? What, what would happen? What would, what would that look like? What would be, what would our, how would our world change if we were open to God and his leading, just, just simply looking at, at some of the people we do business with? 
the, the, a couple weeks ago, I, I was at a conference in Alabama, and, uh, and I was sitting there, <clears throat> and uh, the, the pastor at that church was talking to us about what to expect for the conference, and, uh, and, and he said, now, my spiritual father is here with us. He was an unannounced, he wasn't on the list of people that were supposed to be there, and, and I kind of follow this guy, and so I knew who he was talking about when he said, my spiritual father. He was talking about John Maxwell, and here's what happened. John Maxwell is a leadership guru. Many of you have probably read their books in business, but he's also used to be a pastor, and he's a faithful Christ follower, and, and when he said, my spiritual father is here, I, I did this. It's John Maxwell. It's John Maxwell. And I turned and told everybody down my row, and they were all losing it because I was so excited. And then the pastor on stage said, and John Maxwell is here. And I was like, you yeah, knew it. I was so excited. I tell you that because, so the next night we got to hear John speak. Now, I've heard John speak in many capacities. I've read many of John's books. But I've never heard John be a pastor, like speak on Christianity. And he, he talked about this subject. He talked about Paul's blueprint for reaching people. And one of the things he talked about is being intentional in your relationships. And he said there's, there's a simple way that, that he's intentional. He has a list of people that, that he believes that, that God has put in his life for him to be intentional with whenever they cross paths. And he's got these people written down on the list, and he prays for them. These are people that are far from God. And I thought, man, that's awesome. I've had a list for years in the back of my prayer journal where these are people that I call before God regularly. And I ask, I ask him to, to, to send people in their past to love them and to, to turn their hearts to God. You know, And I, I've done that for years. But I never thought about praying for them intentionally and saying, when I'm with them, help me to be intentional in my relationship with them. And so John, John talked about this. He said, what would it be like if we did that? If we, if we had a list of people that, that we crossed paths with regularly, and we prayed for them, and we prayed, God, when, whenever we're with them, help us be intentional. Help us to see them. Help us to love them. He, so, so I took out my phone. I transferred that list from my prayer journal to my phone, and I have it in a, in, in a, in, in a little notes section on my phone. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Be intentional in those relationships. In fact, if you want to, you can write your list right now. Now, if you're sitting next to the person that you need to be intentional with, don't write their name down. Just write it on a list in your heart. We'll write it later, but, but, but keep a list of these people. Be intentional about praying for them. Be intentional in your relationships. And then John said this. He said, he said once, you, once you are praying for them and, and asking God to help you to be intentional whenever your paths cross, he said, find their spiritual spot. Find their spiritual spot. He said, every person has a place where they're most sensitive. And it, this is not just like an emotional spot. This is not a soul spot. This is, this, this is a spiritual spot. This is a place of longing for something inside of this person. It's usually found in relationships. So you really don't have to look very far to find their spiritual spot, the place that you're to touch in their lives. And so you, you just... You don't have to have deep biblical discussion. You don't need to explain to him how Noah got two of every animal on the ark. Like, that's not even a conversation you need to have. You, you just need to ask him about their family. How easy would that be to find that spiritual spot? Ask him about their family. If it's not their family, ask him about their career. If they're students, then, then ask him about the career they want to get into. Like, like, just ask them questions. Be interested in them. That's, that's how you find their spiritual spot. Keep asking them questions. They'll reveal the area that they're most concerned about. A few years ago, I, I, I uh, was doing a funeral, and um, many of you know that our church started in a funeral, and so I became the funeral pastor, like, you know, because 
they would call me whenever somebody didn't have a pastor in their life and, and ask me to do the, the funeral. I still, I still get those calls. And I accepted one for a gentleman who passed away that I didn't know. And uh, while I was there, I was standing in the front. I looked out into the people that were there, and I, I saw a guy that I recognized. And I'd always wanted to talk to him, but I felt the Holy Spirit give me that prompting, you know, just inside, like, you need to go talk to him. And so I went and I sat down next to him, and I, I introduced myself to him, and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, my name's Aaron, you know, I'm doing the service today, what's your name? I said, I know who you are, you're my guy at the grocery store. I see you all the time. But I, but I always, you know, because, I, you, know, you know how when you see people over and over again, it gets awkward when you don't know their name, right? And so, so I, I, I went in, and, and, and I sat down next to him and told him who I was, and I knew who he was, and we just started talking. We talked about how he knew the the deceased. And then, and then later on that week, I was in our grocery store down the street from my house, and, and, and there he was again. He's working the, the self-checkout lines, and that's where he always is. In fact, he's there every Sunday morning. And I, I just started talking to him about how he was doing. Tell me about your life. And we're standing there. I'll talk to him as long as he's able to at that self-checkout center. And I, and I did this over and over again, and then I, and then I finally discovered, you know, he, his heart was heavy because he knew I was a pastor already. He said his heart was heavy because his mom was sick and in bed, and she was getting these bed spots, and they were worried about her muscles going into atrophy, and, and, and I, I began to learn his story. And so I said, listen, I believe that God heals. I said, can I pray for your mom? He said, absolutely. I said, can I pray for her now? He said, yes. And so I just, we're standing in the checkout line, and I just, I'm praying for this guy, praying for his mom. Every time I saw him, how's your mom doing, man? How's your mom doing? Praying for her. And I would. I'd be praying for his mom. Every time I got into the Kroger parking lot, I would pray for her just so I could say I was praying for her when I got in there, right? But I was, that's okay. I was being intentional. I was really praying. So don't judge me. Don't. Some of you don't even have a list. Don't even. Uh-uh. And so, and so I would. I would. Anyway. Yeah. So. So I'm praying for him. And I, and I came in one day and found out his mom had passed. And, and I just grabbed him and I hugged him. We, we cried together in the checkout line. I found his spiritual spot. And I just continued to, to, to minister to him there. There was no need to do anything else just right there, just, just, just to do that. And so once you, once you discover their spiritual spot, and by the way, he's not come to church yet, but I've invited him. And I see him on Sunday mornings. I stop in there, and I pick up things, and he's there. I'm like, hey, man, you should come sometime. He's like, ah, I work Sunday mornings. I was like, you know, you can change that, right? And he said, yeah, 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 and I just, you know, and I go on. But, but I just continue to love him. But once you discover their spiritual spot, the second thing John said to do is to add value to them. Well, third thing, sorry. Be intentional in relationship. Find their spiritual spot and add value to them. Because, see, everybody has needs. Even rich people, the people that, that have it all in their life, they, they have needs. And so find the needs they have and meet them. Maslow figured this out. Maslow has the hierarchy of human needs, and, and he originally wrote them out, and there were five of them. Now, that list has been expanded to eight today, but this, this list of eight, human thing, or eight things that every human needs is, uh, is, is now broken up into three different categories. And Maslow said this. He said that the theory is, is that you basically are behaving based on the needs that you have, right? So you have a need, and whether you realize it or not, you are gravitating towards it. You're behaving in a way you're gravitating towards it, right? It's kind of like breathing. All of you have a need to survive, and to survive, you need to breathe. And whether you realize it or not, you're all sitting there breathing. And the moment you didn't have breath, 
you would be panicking and racing towards finding a solution to that, right? You're behaving in a way that is directed by your needs. And so these, these eight needs are, are in, in three different categories. The first is physiological needs. This is the basic need for safety, for, for security, for food, for a home, or shelter, uh, for clothes, or maybe a car. And, and so if, you, if these needs exist when you meet someone, the way you add value to them is you just meet those immediate needs. Love on them in a very basic way. Don't share Jesus with them first. Give them a hot meal. Give, what, what are they, if they need clothes, give them clothes. Don't tell them, well, you need Jesus and let me pray for you and then send them on their way. No. No, you meet those basic needs first. This is why we serve each other here at the church. This is why we are going to serve at the Dream Center, which is serving the homeless and those that are low and the population of Columbus, those that are broken and hurting. We're going to be there serving as one of our grow groups. Kalisa's leading it. You need to know her. And you need to be part of that group. It's going to go down there every week and love on people. This is why we do this, why we serve in our city, because as those needs are met, we can move to the next set, which is the love and affections needs, all right? This is the next grouping of those needs on Maslow's list. And these are basic needs for relationship, okay? These are centered around being known and being loved uh, and, and uh, being needed and, and being valued, being a part of something, and even, even the desire to, to look good, to, to look attractive to other people. And so this is why we focus on this so much here, because people come into a church and the first thing that they generally need, because if their physiological needs are met, is relationship. That's why we have growth track. That's why we have grow groups. So today, if you just go out and, and get it underneath that tent, you'll meet some leaders, and they'll get you connected to, to, to a grow group. Be, be, be part of a group, because you, you have that need inside of you. You need it. But Maslow's theory was that the highest need was centered around fulfillment needs. Every single one of you in this room, including me, has a need for significance, a need for fulfillment. And the thing is, is we try to get fulfillment in lots of different ways, but there's no amount of money that you can accrue. There's no amount of experiences you can have. There's not an not amount of stuff that you can get that will lead you to fulfillment. No, the, the only way you find fulfillment is in the one who created you, the one who created that need in the first place. He said, the only way this will be fulfilled is through me. And, and so... And so we, we have to help people get connected to that, to find that fulfillment. You can't leave God out of the process, in other words. And so if the first two needs are met, the physiological and the relational needs are met, then, then you just go right to this one. You speak to their need for significance in their life and, and to be fulfilled. And this is a process of moving people along this spiritual journey to knowing God. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, he says, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts. This, basically, this is to feed you a meal, right? This is my job, is to feed you a meal, meet your physiological needs. And Apollo's work was to water it, give you a friendship. But it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. And so these stages are in this process move people down this spiritual line. So we need to be wise in our spiritual moments, and then we need to be wise in our manner. Now, most of you here, when you were growing up, no matter where you were going into social situations, your mom or dad told you, maybe both of them, very sternly, mind your manners, right? Mind your manners. And so it, the Bible has a lot to say about our manners. And in fact, your manners uh, have a lot to do with your effectiveness in Christianity. Look at Matthew. This is the message paraphrase. It says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. I love the, I love the picture that the, those words paint. 
I love that. We, we call that being the shiny around here. In fact, when you go to Matthew in the NIV translation, it says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, people are going to see how you live your life. Not that you're perfect, but that your life is just better. And they're going to want to know what it is that you know. So here's how you mind your manners. There's some very, very simple things that you can do. First, make things better and brighter. At all times, make things better and brighter. This is Fishing 101. If you're going to go fishing for people, make things better and brighter wherever you go. That means on Monday, when you walk into the office, when everybody's all depressed and sad to be in the office, you come in smiling real big, carrying a box of Krispy Kremes because the red light was on, y'all, and you stopped. You know what I'm saying? Can I get a witness about the red light at Krispy Kremes? You don't even have to chew. You know, you could drink, you could like eat that with a straw. Just when they come out of there, they're so hot. Woo. Bless the Lord on my soul. And so you bring donuts to work on Monday. Just show up and drop them off to people and say, I just want to bless you. They say, What happened to you? And say, Well, you don't. You don't, you don't want to know, but I just want to bless you and put some icing on your face and, and just love on you a bit. Just, just be a blessing. Make it brighter and better wherever you go. You don't have to talk to them about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's not even necessary. Just, just, just fill their face with, with icing and donuts, okay? Another way to mind your manners is to, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Make things better and brighter. A lot of you are going to go to work tomorrow with Krispy Kreme, and Krispy Kreme, you're welcome. That I, I gave them all... But, but, but find a way to make things better and brighter. The second thing, understand their world. Man, this is so big. You know, I, I'm, I, I really feel like racism would just disappear in our world if we would take time to understand people's words, worlds. You understand that? Taking time to understand people that are different than us, that were raised different, that came from different family structures and different, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different countries. If we just took time to understand their world. That was free. That's not even in my notes. But, but we need to understand their world. But oftentimes, here's what Christians want. Christians want people to understand our world. We want people to come here. We want them to understand our lingo, and we want them to understand what it is we do, and we expect people to walk in and know what communion's all about, right? We, we expect that. The, you come here, and you understand our world. I, I never forget. I was sitting with a bunch of pastors here in Reynoldsburg, and we were gathered around having lunch, and they were talking about their Eucharist, and their, their, their lots of different, and I said, guys, I don't even know what any of that stuff is. Like, I'm being honest with you. I don't even know what that stuff is. And, and they explained, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But I said, you know, if you want people to come to your church, you know what you need to do? You need to start explaining some of that stuff as you do it. You know what I mean? That's why we talk about when we do communion together, I explain it every time without fail so that you understand simply what it is. And then I said, even better, if you want people, lost people to start coming to your church, you just need to start talking to them with words that they speak. Try to understand their word and that world and then talk to them in a way that they understand. Go, go meet them there. Quit trying to bring people where you're at. Can I get a witness up in here? See, that's talking to people like they talk, you know what I mean? I, I <laughs> but, but it's part of our current culture, right? Part of our current culture says, you listen to me. Social media has made us, made us this way. They've given every single one of us a platform, and, and we're not interested in understanding people. We want people to hear us, right? And, that, and that's, just, that's just not, that, that, that's not how it is. We, we need some people who are willing to say, tell me about your life. Tell me, tell me how you came to have this opinion of God in your life. See, I meet a lot of people, all kinds of people, and I try to occupy the initial conversation 
with their favorite subject in the world. Do you know what that is? Themselves. So I ask them lots of questions about themselves because I really want to know them. And I try to keep the, keep the ball on that side of the court by just firing. Some of you have met me here. When you meet me in the lobby for the first time, that's what I do. I just ask you lots of questions. I want to get to know you. But inevitably, we run out of space to talk about before it gets a little uncomfortable, right? What are the questions I'm asking, I'm starting to ask for a social security number and credit cards, and it's all, you know, that's it. So, so anyway, so <laughs> I don't do that, just so you know. But, but, but so, so they'll turn to me and they'll start asking me questions about me. Like, what do you do? You know, if you, if you didn't meet me here and you met me out. And, and, you know, when people ask me that question, every time I have to decide if I'm going to lie. Because when you tell people you're a pastor, the, the, the conversation just changes, right? So, so, so when I tell people I'm a pastor, it's always really fun when they do this because you can see the, the, their noodle starts to work and they start replaying the last five minutes of their conversation. Like, what did we just talk about? How many times did I just cuss around this guy? You know, it's just, it's just a lot of fun to do that. But, but, but I get all kinds of different reactions. Some people say, well, I hate Christians. You know, and, and when somebody says that, you know what you need to do? Tell me why. Or better yet, go, I do too. Tell me why you do, you know? And, and because, now don't judge me. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. You grew up with some judgmental, grumpy, mean Christians, right? And you, you don't like them. So, so that's who they're talking about. You understand that. They're not talking about us. They're, they're talking about them. That's the people they grew up with. And they'll say, well, you know, I, I, I don't like them for, for whatever reason. And so, you know, Christianity has this problem where there's two versions of it out there, right? There's this group of people who have all these rules, and they try to force you into obeying all those rules, even though they don't do them themselves. And then there's this second group of people. We're just so happy that God... There's a second group of people that are just so happy that we've, got, we've had our sins forgiven, that we just want other people to experience it too. We just come on in. The water's fine. We want you to know all about it. But Christianity's got that problem. They turn the conversation. They want to know, what does God think about drinking? What does he think about smoking? What does he think about sexuality? And the truth is, is I'm not sure God thinks too much about that. I think he more cares about your heart right now than he does anything else. And he may deal with that later. But, but that's up to He, he loves you. That's what he's concerned about right now in this moment. But we, but we have to listen to them. We have to take time to understand their world. And then, and then when we understand why they feel the way they do about God, we need to do this. We need to show them unconditional love. What does unconditional love mean? Are you all ready? Because this is, get, get your pens out. Be ready to write this down. Unconditional love is love without Condition. Aren't you all glad to have me as a pastor? That, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's plainly that. It's just, it's just love them unconditionally. Show, show them love. Jesus, perfect example of this, when Jesus met Zacchaeus, which some of you all know if you grew up in, in, in Sunday school, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in that tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Yeah. That wasn't in my notes either. (laughs) 
Hey, so, so this, Jesus didn't come up to, to Zacchaeus who's sitting up in the tree and say, hey, Zach, you thief, come on down. He didn't do that. No, he said, hey, Zach, let's go to Chipotle. Let's get some lunch, man. Let's go. Let's go, let's go spend some time together. And we don't know what happened during that conversation with Jesus at lunch. But, but you can read all about the story. It's in Luke 19. It's just 10 verses. You can find it. But, but Zach said this after lunch. He said, the Bible says he stood up and he said, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've stolen from anybody, I'm going to pay them back four times as much. And wouldn't you love to know what that conversation was about? I think it's intentionally left out of the Bible so that we get the point. It wasn't the words that were said. It was the lunch. Zach was a thief. Zach was a tax collector. Jesus didn't even care. He said, let's go. He loved him unconditionally. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, whatever person is like, this is Paul talking, he says, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. See, we just need to be looking for wisdom. We need to be looking for our moments and minding our manners with people. And finally, I'll give you more on this next week, but, but here's a teaser, and we need to be wise in our message. We need to be wise in our message. Second Timothy 2 says, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. In other words, don't argue with people. Nobody wins an argument. You know that, right? No, nobody does. Everybody loses. Don't, don't get involved in those things that start fights. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. That's a tall order, isn't it? It says they must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. Dear Lord, that's a message in and of itself. They should gently, gently, we like to just beat people with the word of God sometimes. Gently teach those who oppose the truth. And perhaps... God will change those people's hearts and they will believe the truth. See, perhaps because you didn't get into an argument with them, because you didn't tell them all the ways that they were wrong, perhaps you'll get the opportunity. Perhaps God will change their hearts. So we need to be wise with our message. First Peter says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. This is all the keys for next week. Always be prepared to give an answer. This means a defense. And it's not, it's not to push back and beat people up. It's to say, this is my reason for my hope. This is why I'm a Christian. Be, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Man, we could learn so much from those words. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you on Facebook, just bringing it to your world, who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So what do we do as we're wise in, in our message? We share the hope. Tell people why you're a Christian. Tell them why you believe. And then you share your church. This is so important. See, we don't have a church for church people. That's not why we're here. We're here to reach people far from God, which means we're out to reach people who don't agree with us, people who are searching and don't know Jesus from a bale of hay. We want those people here. We want them here if they're just trying to figure it all out. We want them to come and feel welcome here because they are. And so I'm asking you all as, as you share your church that at least once a year have somebody that's far from God sitting next to you, just once a year. And there's great times to do that, and I'll make sure that I share with you and tell you when to do that. This next series, Toxic, that's coming up is a great time. 
It, it, it's a message that's geared towards lost people. They'll, they'll love it. It'll benefit them truly. So, so, so know that that's a time you could invite somebody far from God. And the last thing we do is we are wise in our message is that we share Christ. We, we share Christ. See, Jesus came into the world to save the worst of sinners, which, by the way, I believe oftentimes is me. Paul the apostle believed it was him. People don't need to carry the guilt of their sins anymore. See, hell's not a place that God sends, that, sends people that, that don't agree with him. Hell's not a place that he sends them because he's mad at them. Hell's a place where people go who insist on carrying their own sin and paying for it there themselves. Hell is just a place you pay your own bill, but the thing is your bill has been paid already. Jesus paid it. You, you don't have to pay for it yourself. And with Jesus, you don't have to, not only do you get forgiveness, but you get a washing of your conscience as well. That means the guilt that you have bared, that you, that you bear from, from years of walking away from God and doing things your own way, that, that waywardness, the, the guilt goes away. So not only are you forgiven, but the guilt is gone. Your conscience is cleansed. We aren't here preaching simple church. We aren't here sharing an organization. We're here to share Jesus. He's the only one that can take the guilt and the shame off of our life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that through your word, Lord, we would be open, God, to asking you today for wisdom. God, give us wisdom as we become fishers of men. Lord, I pray that we would be wise in our moments. That we, would be, that we would be asking you during every daily interaction, Lord, is this one? Is this a divine appointment that you put us in? Help us to be intentional, Lord, and, and see people's spiritual spot that, that we, we might be able to touch that spot in their hearts, Lord, and add value to them. And, and in doing so, Lord, that it may cost us something to do it. Lord, let us be willing and ready to do that so that we can reach those that are far from Lord, help us to be wise in our manners, to give us creative ideas for ways to make things brighter and better in other people's lives, Lord, in just the places that we are commonly found. Help us to understand their world, Lord, which means that we would care less about ourselves and more about those around us. And God, when we meet them, Lord, let us show them unconditional love. Lord, let, let, let us get to a place where nothing that they have to share or show us or tell us surprises us. Lord, let us stop expecting non-believers to behave like Christians. Help us to be wise in our message, God, as we share our hope, why we follow you, why we love you. Help us to, Lord, to share our church and to be bold and to know when those times are, to be bold in that invitation. But more importantly, help us to be bold in sharing Jesus, Lord. We need you for this work. Now, as we continue to pray, and Christians all around this room, I need, you, I need you praying right now because this is someone's moment. There's somebody in this room you would say, Aaron, I, I need to know you're Jesus. I've been carrying the guilt and the shame of my sins for too long. I'm ready to just let that go. I'm ready. I'm ready to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I'm not certain what that means completely. I don't know how to completely live that out perfectly, but, but I'm ready to take those steps. I'm ready to say, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. 
I'm ready to have my conscience cleansed from the guilt. That may be you, or there may be others of you that you'd say, you know, I'm empty inside, Aaron, no matter what I've done, no matter how much money I've earned, no matter how many experiences I've had, no matter how many relationships I've had, I feel unfulfilled inside, and I need something. And I'm here to tell you that that something is Jesus. God made you to need and desire fulfillment that only he can fill. So if you're here today, you're ready to do this. You're ready to get on that spiritual journey to, to fulfillment that begins with you knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose in life, and ultimately making a difference. But you know you got to start with knowing Him, so we're going to do that. Getting to know God starts with a simple prayer. It's really, really easy, and I'm gonna, I will give you the words, and you can pray them. You just need to mean them with all of your heart, and if you're ready to do that, I'm not going to embarrass you or have you come to the front. I just, I just want to give you an opportunity to let me know. So would you just slip up your hand right now and say, Aaron, that's me. I want to pray that prayer today. Would you just do that now? Just slip your hand up. I'm not going to call you up front. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, Aaron, that's me. I'm, I'm ready to take that step of faith. All right, I'm going to pray this prayer. Let's, let's, let's all pray it together. Church, don't let anybody pray alone. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my conscience of the guilt make me brand new I give you my life today so that I can have yours show me how to live for you and I'll spend every day doing that thank you Jesus amen come on church can we celebrate with those that have said yes to Jesus today let them know they made the most important decision of their life yeah now listen, if you pray that prayer today, I want you to know you're not meant to do this alone. You're not meant to figure it out on your own. My invitation to you is to come and be a part of what we have planned for you, something we call Growth Track. Growth Track happens every Sunday during second service in our conference room. It's right next to the cafe. And I promise you that if, if you've just made this decision, you need to understand what your spiritual journey looks like. We want to help you understand that. There's tons of people going through it. You won't be alone in that room. You don't need to sign up for childcare. We'll take care of your kids another service. Or if you say, Aaron, I've only got time for one service on a Sunday. That's fine. If you don't have a pastor, I'm it. Hi. And I give you full permission to skip Sunday morning service so that you can go to Growth Track. All right? So do that. Find out what God's journey for you is. Find out what his purpose and plan is for you. You'll, you'll, you'll never be the same as a result of it. Amen? All right. Now, I'll call our service host forward at this time. We're going to receive our tithes and our offerings. Please remember that you can give to Katie specifically by marking Katie on that offering envelope. You can also stop by and see her directly after. I pray that God's moved on your heart and helped you decide. Remember, just 100 of us commit to a monthly, a monthly giving of $10. And that'll, that'll send her off to the mission field so she can begin her work. So let's, let's stand together as we sing. Father, I pray that you would bless this offering. Lord, help us reach more people that are far from you with every dollar. Lord, we love you. We thank you for lives and hearts that are changed today. We thank you for teaching us how to become fishers of men. Let us be wise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you sing with us? If you need prayer for anything, we'll meet you here at this altar directly after we're done singing.
this broken heart and light my way till my time on earth is done. Oh, Holy Spirit, breathe in me like kingdom come. Oh, Holy Spirit, let your Thank you for your love, your overwhelming love that is in this place this morning. Jesus, you are good. You are good. Sometimes we just need to keep saying you are good.
you are good and your faithfulness and is, is forever. God, we love you this morning for your greatness, for your goodness, for all that you've done in our lives. You are faithful. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say thank you so much for being here with us today, especially if it's your very first time. Come on, Simple Church. Let's greet the people that are here for the very first time. Let them know we're glad they're here. Thank you for being here. Now, if it is your very first time here, we, uh, we hope that when you came through the doors today, you were greeted warmly and made to feel welcome like you were at home. And uh, we, we ask you to do one thing and only one thing for us, if it's your very first time here, and that is to reach into the seat backs in front of you where you will find something called our connection card. Now, that connection card has information about us on it so that you can find us social media and our websites, but it also has a card at the bottom that if you'll tear that off and fill it out, you can take it to guest services, which is the desk you passed on your way in today. You take it there, and we will exchange that for a free t-shirt and a gift bag, just our way of saying thank you for being here today. So please feel free to do that at any time during the message today. Uh, we've got a couple things I want to announce before we get into what we're doing today, but I need to do something. You ever just do something just real boneheaded before, and you just, you, you want to find like a great grand gesture to make up for it? Has anybody ever done that before? Don't y'all sit out there and judge me, for reals. Well, Yesterday, I, I knew that I was supposed to do something, and, uh, and, and, I, just, it, and I, I even knew I was supposed to do it. I, I said, oh, I got to do that, and I, and I completely missed it, and, uh, and, and potentially, you know, just, just, it was just bonehead on my part, and so I'm going to make up for that right now by telling my brother, happy birthday. I, I missed it. He's sitting here on the front row, and I, was, I even had it on my calendar to call him. I live and die by my calendar, and I forgot to call you and tell you happy birthday yesterday, so happy birthday, Jeremy. I love you, man. Come on. Now, we don't do that for everybody, but he's my brother, so I'm, I'm going to do it, all right? It's my church. I get to do that. So anyway, let me give you a couple of quick announcements before we jump into what we're doing today, uh, before we continue this series called Reach. Uh, there's some things you need to know tonight is our night of prayer. Now, we just came off of 21 days of prayer where we were participating with hundreds of churches all over the country and all over the world uh, online. We were, that's the online venue we were doing it. We posted up every day, and we, we, we committed to an hour of prayer. And many of you joined us in that, and I'm so grateful that you did. Whether you were able to join us online live, you, you committed to some time in prayer. And so today is day 22. So I need some day 22 people to show up and, con and continue the, this prayer journey with us. We're going to 
pray tonight. Tonight's our, we do this every month, the last Sunday of the month. So tonight at 6 o'clock, there's an hour of prayer. You said, dear Lord, Aaron, an hour of prayer. I haven't talked to God for more than two minutes. And some of us only 10 seconds saying, God, help. Like, you know, you haven't prayed any more than that, right? That's the extent of it. So I'll tell you what an hour of prayer looks like. It's very, very easy. And, and you'll be surprised that an hour goes by. So come and be a part of it tonight, 6 o'clock here in this place. We're going to pray and finish off our 21 days of prayer uh, with a bang. So the, the band will be here, and uh, it'll just be a great time. So, so come tonight. And then also, this is a huge announcement for us because, you know, I love these different seasons that we go through as a church. And, and this season is one of my favorites because it meant so much to me. In fact, this, this season that we're entering into is what made such a difference in my life, and that is our grow group season. So understand that I was far from God, and we started going to a church, and it was when I got into a grow group and I got relational with people, I learned to follow Jesus better. I found freedom from my waywardness and, and, and learned how to, how to live a life with Christ. And so I, I want to tell you, this, this is the greatest thing you can do for your spiritual journey is to be in a grow group. And so those, those launch today. Now, they start meeting next week, but the catalog is available today. So here's what you can do. If you'd like to begin looking at them, you can pull out your Simple Church app. This is my fake phone. That's why I'm doing this. I just realized I'm making gestures. But, but you can pull out your app and you can open up. It says grow groups right there and you can look at the catalog right now. Or if you don't want to do that, directly after service, you probably notice there's a big tent in the foyer. Like why in the world is there a tent inside? Like Aaron, you know you don't need that, right? But we wanted to make it so easy for you to be able to find who do I talk to if I want to sign up and know more about the grow group. So there are leaders that are just going to be standing underneath the, the tents. So you can go and meet them and ask them, say, show me what you got. And they'll show you all the groups that are available to you. There's plenty of activity ones. There's some good study ones that are going on. So, 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 so take a look at them. There's, there's some really great groups to be a part of, all right? And I'm going to tell you, those groups fill up fast. So make sure that you get on them, especially the study ones, all right? Make sure you get involved and get in a group, all right? Cool. Well, let's continue what we're doing. We're in a three-week series, and this is week two on a series that we are calling Reach. And, and the, the whole series is based off of our vision statement as a church. It's, in other words, why we exist. What are we here to do? And, and you, you can see it posted out there on the wall. We want everybody to see it and understand it and be able to recite it and, and have it in your heart. But understand, if you don't know it, let's throw it up on the screen. It's reaching people far from God and teaching them to follow Jesus step by step. That, that's why we're here as a church. We, in fact, everything that we do, all that we do, all of our programming, our grow groups, even our Sunday morning service, we, we are structured in a way that lost people love to come to them. We hope that they feel welcome, and, 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 and this is a place that they can come, even if they're not following Jesus, that, that they can come and be here. So, so we structure everything that we do in that way because we want to be, as a church, reaching people that are far from God. But there's this personal responsibility that each one of us has to be reaching people. Most of the time, people read a vision statement like this, and they go, this is how they understand it in their minds. That reaching people far from God means simple church is supposed to do that, a.k.a. Pastor Aaron and his staff. And there ain't no staff. It's just me, okay? Just saying. So you all, that's what you all think. You read that and go, well, that's good. That's what Aaron's doing all throughout the week. But you need to understand that that's, that's not biblically sound because the Bible shares that it's a personal responsibility for us to be reaching it's your responsibility to be doing that in your world. And so that's what this series is all about. I'm talking to you about it. Now, we're going to get into some of that today. I'm going to share a little bit on what we talked about last week, some this week, and what you can look forward to next week. But 
as, as part of our vision, part of the ways that we reach for a church, one, one of the ways we do that is through helping other people do that reaching. And, and sometimes there's people that are going to places and spaces that we can't and don't want to go to. Amen? Come on, let's be real somebody. And so I, we, I have a friend here today, and she's going into spa, to a country. It's one of the most dangerous countries in the world. It's currently the murder capital of the world. It's Honduras. And we met Katie. Uh, she's here to share some of her, of her story with you. We met Katie through uh, a trip to El Salvador. And Katie's job, she was like our team lead, okay? But basically what that equates to is Katie made sure that none of us died, all right? And uh, we went, so we go to El Salvador and she meets us there and, uh, and I'll let her share what some of her initial impressions of us were, but we had so much fun with her that we, we made a fast friend. And so when Katie said, hey, my season has changed and, and, and I'm, I'm going a different direction and I need, I need your love, I need your support, I want to come and share my story. I said, absolutely. Now, let me tell you what, what happened, one, just, just one example of the fun we had in El Salvador. On the last night there, you're, you're, they do like a farewell service, and, and uh, many of our missionaries that went on that trip were here in this room, and, and if you've gone the, the, the year prior to, you know that it's very serious, it's very heartwarming, warming, and, and everybody's crying, you know, because you're saying goodbye to these people that you've served with for the week, but, but in the middle of this, like right at the end, they, they go, here, here, we want to give you a gift, and the year prior, they gave us some anointing oil and a picture, and it was beautiful, and then, and then Katie... Katie, who wasn't there the first year we did it, she, she's there the second year, they, they gave me a machete. And it, why is that funny to you people? I don't know. They laughed first service too, but it has, it has King's Castle written on it, which is the name of the organization we were working with, and it's in this beautiful leather sheath, and they, they go to give it to me, and she says, somebody should knight him with it, which was hilarious to all of us. We were laughing like, oh yeah, sure, I should get knighted. And then Don Triplett, who is the missionary, like he is the Don. All right, you know what I'm saying? When Don walks into the room, he, he commands respect. He doesn't demand it. He commands it. Like, he's just got one of those presences. You know what I'm talking about, you guys? Ever been in a room with somebody, the second they walk in the room, it's like, snap. <laughs> Whoo. That's, that's Don. And Don, from the back of the room, says, Julio should do it, which is, Julio is the pastor we were working with lo lo locally, and this thing that was, that was a joke to all of us turned into a thing. And so I had to kneel down. There are pictures of me online. I had to kneel down, and he took that machete, and he knighted me and prayed the most beautiful, most beautiful prayer over me. And I just started crying. I was laughing. There's pictures of me on my knees laughing, and then the next thing I'm crying because of the words that he spoke over me. But this is Katie, and this is why we love her, and we're so glad that she's here. Would you please welcome her as she comes and talks to us about what God is doing in her life and now? And uh, while she prepares, I'm going to tell you this, Katie, Katie is, uh, I know she, she, she is called to do this, and, and I don't know if she'd be as so bold as, as I am with you guys, so I'm going to be bold for a moment. See, we have an individual responsibility to support missionaries. That's individual. Understand? Say, that's me. Everybody say, that's me. That's me, right? We have an individual responsibility to support missionaries who are going into places and spaces you can't and won't go to. And that, that's Katie. And so Katie's doing what the, what the big word that they call itinerating, but she's going around and garnering support, monthly support. She cannot even go to the field until she gets the full amount that she, that she needs to go. And so there's several ways that you can help Katie get there, all right? Everybody's, everybody just got a little nervous. But let me tell you something. If you're a Christ follower and the Holy Spirit starts leading you to do something, just, just obey that, all right? Because you, you can give in the offering today, and if you do that, you can give a gift completely to her, something above your tithes. You, you can write on there and say, hey, this amount is for Katie. Just write Katie. It doesn't matter how you spell it. She'll take it, all right? 
Katie with a C or with a K, it doesn't matter. It's actually with a K, but that's irrelevant. Just, just write Katie on your offering envelope, and she'll get 100% of what you identify as for her, okay? So you can do that, or you can take out your Simple Church app, and there is a give button there that it usually says general giving and missions giving, but now there's a, a drop-down that says Katie Carter. Everything you do on that app will go straight to her. Or you can stop by and see you. I'll just run into all kinds of things up here. You can stop by and see Katie directly after service, and you can sign up for monthly support. Now, here's what, what Katie needs, all right? I'm going to wicka wicka break it down for you a little bit, okay? Katie needs $1,000 more in monthly support. Is that correct? Before you can even get to Costa Rica for training and then on to Honduras. Now, you say $1,000 a month, I'm out. That's not me. Nope, that's not Jesus speaking to me. All right, I understand that. But can I, can I just say this, that if a hundred of us took personal responsibility and paid $10 a month, that's it. That's, a, that's Chipotle. You know what I'm saying? Say, I'm willing to give up Chipotle once a month so that I can send Katie onto the field. If a hundred of us did that, that would be her $1,000 a month. And so I want you to be prayerful. As you listen to Katie's story, would you be prayerful and, and listen to the Holy Spirit as well about how you can do that? I'll, I'll remind you of these things, but Katie, would you share a bit of your story with us? Talk, I'll, I'll like, like this. No, that's really <laughs> I'll scream if I'm Hello? Okay, there we go. Um, it's great to be here today. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, um, for having me. Uh, man, I had a fun time with this team in El Salvador. Uh, they came to do construction, and I don't normally do construction. Um, I, I work with the evangelism side, but somehow I got picked uh, to host this team. And um, I got to be honest, when they were filing off the bus, I was kind of scratching my head and thinking, uh, they're going to do construction? Because uh, usually the construction teams are based uh, of teams of just lots of men, and there was lots of women on this team and, uh, and, and some guys. And so um, I was a little nervous. I'm thinking, we're not going to get the job done, but boy, they busted it out. They made me work like never before. I didn't know I had so many muscles in my back. They were all on fire the whole week. And uh, I, I did a lot of shoveling, and so it was, like, it was a great time. And uh, I have often talked about Simple Church um, since meeting them. Uh, I just think it's an incredible church. Um, I love that, that you guys get so involved in your church and you do what you know how to do uh, to benefit the church. And I think that's really cool. And so um, know that I'm making Simple Church famous as I travel around. I'm saying you, you need to be like Simple Church. They're awesome. So anyways, a little bit about my story. Um, I've been in El Salvador. Uh, actually, yesterday I celebrated eight years as a, as a missionary. And so that's pretty cool. Thanks. He thought that was cool. I'm paying him for those woos. Um, and so in El Salvador, um, it, was, it was a lot of learning. Uh, it was an incredible experience. I love the people. I love my job responsibility. I uh, love the culture. And uh, in 2016, I kind of started feeling a little bit of a transition coming on. Anybody ever had to, like, make a big decision or a move, and you get that, like, burning churn in your gut that's just uncomfortable and gross? And uh, I begin to say, no, God, why are you doing this? And uh, if I'm honest, I, I believe it's, it's because I got really comfortable at where I was at and what I was doing. And, and how many know when you get comfortable in something, God's ready to take you to another level? And, uh, and this opportunity was presented to me by one of my leaders, and, and he said, Katie, we have this opportunity uh, in Honduras. We need you to go there, and we think that you're the one for the job, and, and start this ministry 
um, to these at-risk girls. And I was like, no, I'm cool. That ain't me. I don't know how to do that. And, uh, and he said, well, I want you to pray about it. And I knew that, that God had been working on me for several months um, about this transition that was coming. And I found myself at a water park. Anybody like water parks? Okay. Water parks in El Salvador are a little bit different than the water parks here in the States. Um, there was 100 of us there. We had 100 students and uh, two slides, so lines are long. Um, but there was a red slide, and it had some humps, and then it was like this big open thing, and it just dumped you into a pool. And then next to it was this big black tube slide. Well, I don't do tube slides, okay? I'm claustrophobic. I can't see where I'm going. It's dark, uh, moist. It's just gross. I just don't like that. And so I was having a blast on the red slide, okay? I, had, I wrote it like a million times, probably only like three times. But anyway, so I'm down in the pool with my friend, Tanya, and she's like, hey, let's go ride the black slide. Or no, she said, let's go ride the slides. I said, all right, let's go. So we climbed up like, you know, 300,000 flights of stairs. I get to the top. I can't breathe. And I sit down on the red slide. And she's like, no, 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 let's go on the black slide. I said, no, I'm good. I really like this red slide. It's a lot of fun. She's like, yeah, but the black slide is way better. I'm like, no, I'm cool. I don't really like tubes. I'm going to go. We can race or something. And she's like, dude, I've been on both slides. The black slide is way better. It's a bigger adventure. And I'm like, dude, it's a slide. I don't care. I'm going to go on the red one. She's like, don't be scared. I'll go before you, and you'll see. Nothing's going to happen. You won't get hurt. And I'm like, all right, fine. So she gets in front. She slides down. And then I sneak over to the red slide and go down. When I get to the bottom of the pool, Tanya is, like, tapping her foot. She is angry. And I'm like, dude, who cares? Man, I had fun on the red slide. She's like, yeah, but you'll never know the adventure that you missed on the black slide. She said, look, they're closing the slides now, and you'll never know. And right there I felt God speak to me. He said, Katie, I'm trying to take you on a big black slide adventure. And, and don't be worried because I'm going to go in front of you. I know you can't see what's coming. I know you don't know how it's going to happen or how you're going to get there or how you're going to do it. But I'm going before you, and everything's going to be okay. Do you trust me to go on this black slide adventure? So right there in that nasty water park in El Salvador, I made the decision, all right, we're going to do this. So what is the big black slide adventure? Um, there's a ministry in Costa Rica called Chicas de Promesa. Everybody say Chicas de Promesa. That means girls of promise, and you are now fluent in Spanish. So good job. So this ministry started in this really poor, small community in Costa Rica. And basically, uh, there was a missionary there, and she was working in a school. And as she was getting to know the girls and the kids there, some of them started opening up and uh, talking about some of the things that were happening in their homes. Um, many of the girls were opening up about a lot of uh, sexual abuse and physical abuse that was happening to them, and most of that abuse was coming from their own fathers. And so Mary, the missionary, began to pray and ask God how she can help reach these girls and, and take care of these girls without taking them out of their homes. God specifically said to her, I want you to teach them to thrive and survive in the communities that they're in. So she bought a house in the community, and she decked it out like a princess's dream. It's pink, purple, butterflies, all that jazz, you know. And, um, and so it's like an after-school care. Most of the abuse she found was happening uh, while, while the moms were away at work. And so she made this club, so they come after school, they hang out, they play dress up, they paint their nails. They get to just be girls and just be kids, because when they're at home, they're having to be the mom. They're having to take care of baby brother and sister. They're having to cook and clean. But she's, she's able to have them in this home. They can hang out and just be a kid. And then, of course, the most important thing is, is to be a disciple. And, and she's teaching them who Jesus is and that what's happening to them is not okay. 
And this has been going on for about five years in this community in Costa Rica. And the, the abuse rate has gone down 90% in that community. And so we believe that God is really going to start transforming a community here. And so the goal is that we want to expand this ministry throughout Central America. So they asked me to go to Honduras. So I'm going to actually go to Costa Rica first for a couple of years. Um, I'm going to work with Mary. We're going to start this ministry in another community uh, from ground zero so I can kind of learn how it's run. And then I'm going to take it over to San Pedro, Sula, Honduras, where there's a huge need of ministry to the girls. Um, the, the leader there said, you know, there's a lot of murder here. There's a lot of, of crime and a lot of gang activity. And everybody focuses on that. And, and these girls are being forgotten. And nobody's loving on these girls and, and showing them who Christ is. And so I got that phone call. And so hopefully November the 1st, if all my funds are raised, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go to Costa Rica and start this Black Slide adventure. So I really ask for your prayers. Um, I appreciate those. I have some prayer cards in the in the back or at the table back there. And so I would love to talk to you if you have any questions, uh, get to know you a little bit. And I appreciate Simple Church. I thank you. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. I have a little short video that you can kind of see a little more about the, the ministry. Thank you guys so much. These are our daughters. They are girls of grace, spirit, and humor. They are girls who attend school every day despite difficult home lives that often include alcoholism, abuse, or neglect. And now, instead of going home after school, they can come here to Chicas de Promesa. Chicas de Promesa is an empowerment club for at-risk adolescent girls in Costa Rica. It's a safe place for them to study, build friendships, and have fun. We mentor girls to help them live the lives they deserve, whatever their circumstances. Most importantly, we show them that their worth is found in Christ alone, not in a culture that exploits or discards them. These are girls of strength, of dignity, and of great potential. These are girls of promise. Come on, give Katie some love and tell her we're glad that she's following after Jesus on this big black slide adventure. I love it, Katie. Now you can talk to Katie. She'll be in the lobby today. She's got a table set up. Please be prayerful today about how you can do that. Remember, just mark your envelope, your giving envelope, and, and everything goes to her. So let's, uh, let's make sure we do that, all right? So now let's just continue this series because we're, uh, what we're talking about today is reaching people far from God. And, uh, the, and understand that this is a massive part of Jesus's ministry. In fact, he started his ministry gathering followers or disciples as they were called in the Bible this way. In Matthew 4, it says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers called Simon, Peter, Simon called Peter, excuse me, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you. Now the answer to what he says, I'll, I'll make you may surprise you. Many of you have been following Jesus long enough. You're, you're familiar with what he says he's going to make you, but if you don't know the answer, you might kind of assume that he said, follow me and I'll make you more holy, or follow me and I'll make you more spiritual. I'll, 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 I'll make you uh, read your Bible more often and pray more often, or, or follow me and I'll get you out of trouble, or, or, or follow me and I'll make you more disciplined, or follow me and I'll, I'll make you rich, you know, where you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field, you're blessed when you come and when you go. Like, you, you follow me and I'll do these things, but Jesus didn't say any of those things. 
What he said was, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So basically what he said is, once you make a decision to follow him, to make him Lord of your life, once you've been, you've been caught, once you're a fish that's been caught, you now have a job of being a fisherman yourself. You, you join the team, and, and you have a responsibility to do that. Why? Because followers fish. Now, a lot of people don't like these messages because they make them feel a little bit uncomfortable, right? L- different reasons for that. Some of you are embarrassed to, to share your faith. And some of you, the, the idea of sharing your faith conjures emotional, uh, some feelings inside. And, and some of you say it's difficult or it's too hard. But, but I want you to know that it's not only necessary to fish, but it's one of the greatest experiences that a Christian can have. And so I want you to know that joy, but to know that joy requires you to know how to do it right. And so that's what this series is all about. My, my job as a pastor is to equip you for this kind of work, and so I'm trying to help you to do that. So last week was a foundational message. If you weren't here and didn't hear it, you can go listen to it on the podcast or check it out on Facebook. Uh, the, the video's there for you to replay and watch it. But, but, but it talked all about where Jesus said, hey, this is a big deal to me. This is really important to me that you... Understand your role to fish, to, to reach people that are far from you. And, and so that was last week. And, and today what we're going to do, I'm going to give you some, this is the practical portion of this series. And I think you're going to really like today's talk. And then next week, I'm going to help you out with, some, with the words to say, right? The things, the things you can say as you share your, your faith. Because many of you are like, man, Aaron, how, what do I even say to somebody if I'm sharing my faith? Like, honestly, I'm kind of scared. If I do it and we get into discussion about something, what if they're more confident about theirs? I might convert. Like, you know, I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to help you understand the words and some, give you some answers to questions people may ask. And, uh, and, and, and it'll really help you. But today, I want to I focus on one word that keeps showing up in the fishing process. And it's the, it, it shows itself in Proverbs 11. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Now, this is, this is a whole bunch of, like, what does that even mean? Well, what it means is that the result of living godly and holy isn't perfection, but, but it's that your life is better and that you bring life into your situations and other people's lives as a result. You're a tree of life, Okay. The verse continues and says, and he who wins souls, as everybody say it with me, is wise. Today I want to talk to you about the wisdom of fishing. Let's jump to the New Testament in Colossians. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. In other words, think about how you're talking to people that are not yet Christians. That makes sense? Be wise in the way you talk to them. He says, make the most of every opportunity. That means every. Do you know what, what is included in the word Every means all of it, like every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace. Man, well, don't we struggle with this one? He said, don't get into fights. Don't get into this mine versus yours kind of thing. He said, don't, don't do it the way the world does it. He says, but let your conversation be seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so today, here's what I want to do. I'm going to share with you three areas where we need to be a bit more wise because fishing takes wisdom. Anybody here ever actually done fishing in real life? There's a lot to know. If you expect to have a successful fishing trip, there's a lot to know. You need to know about what kind of bait to buy. And that's all based on what kind of fish you're fishing for, right? You need to know what kind of lures to use. You need to know that when you get in the boat, you can't sit there and rock the boat the whole time or you're not going to catch a, whole, a, a, a single fish. In fact, if you're, if you're loud and playing loud music, that scares the fish away. So, so there's lots of wisdom you need to know when you're actually fishing 
And there, there's lots of wisdom we need to have when we're sharing our faith with people. And the, and the Bible talks a lot about how we need to be wise. So, so let me give you these three ways. The very first way we need to be wise is in our moment. If you're taking notes, we need to be wise in our moment because God is at work in our lives. We have these moments in our lives where we intersect with other people, where our paths cross with other people. And, and God is the author of these things. We call these divine appointments. It's not in your Bible, but it's what we call them, where God has, creates these divine appointments for us, for our paths to cross with people. And God builds his kingdom this way, through relational intersections. This is how he does it. Not every intersection with someone is just random. It's just not. It, it, the, the people that you run into at the gas station, the people you ran into at the grocery store, these, these are not random intersections in life. God is busy creating them. He's ordained them. And so we need to be wise and recognize that. In fact, Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of good man are ordered by the Lord. In another place, in Proverbs 16, it says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. In other words, you can keep a calendar, but if you're a Christ follower, it is God who is ordering and ordaining your very steps. He, he loves to do this. He is spending time creating intersections where you'll cross paths with people that are not believers. Like He, he loves to do this. And so we need to spend more of our time asking God at every, at every crossroads with people, is God, did you, is this one of those moments? Did, did you set this one up for me? Is this, is this something that, that, that I need to spend some time with these people? Like, help, help me be wise in our moments. I, a few years back, I had a friend of ours uh, who, who's coming come to the church and, you know, in, in, in what we call BC, which is before Christ. He had a bunch of stuff BC that he did that was wrong, and it, it landed him in some hot water, and he had a court order to go to anger management. And he just couldn't believe it. He's like, Aaron, I'm a Christ follower now. You know, God forgive me of my sins. Why do I have to go to this anger management? And I said, whoa, slow your roll. So do you understand the reason that, that maybe God is allowing you to go? Notice I said allowing. Allowing you to go to anger management is because there may be somebody there that needs to meet you and hear your story. And sure enough, it, that altered his perspective, and he went in there thinking, all right, God, who is it? Why am I here? I don't know why I'm here, but why? there's got to be somebody here. I'm looking for him, right? And, and so, so he, he actually found somebody, had opportunity to pray with somebody and share the gospel with them as a result of taking this perspective. He was wise in his moments. So there's, there's three practical ways for us to be wise in our moments. So let me kind of break them down for you. Because God's creating these moments for all of us. So the first, first thing we can do is be intentional in our relationships. Be, be intentional in your relationships. What, what would happen, or what, or what if every relationship, excuse me, good or bad, what if every relationship, God was the author of them? What if you gained that perspective? How would you look at those relationships? What if it was just, just as simple as, as the, the teller at the bank that you visit every, every, every week? What if it's the, the person you see every few weeks who cuts your hair? Or what if it's the waitress that you're going to see today as you go get your, your food? Or if it's, it's the barista at the, at the coffee house that you visit? What if that's not coincidental? What if that moment and that interaction, that intersection with someone that you are having was God-ordained? We can be intentional by being open to his leading and asking him, hey, is, is, this, is this a moment? Is this one of those moments? 
A few weeks ago, I was in Birmingham, Alabama at a conference, and uh, the pastor there um, was sharing, sharing, hey, this is what the conference is going to look like. And I was sitting there with my team, and, and, uh, and he said, and my spiritual father is here. Now, you need to understand that his spiritual father was not on the list of speakers that, like when we signed up for the conference. So nobody knew he was going to be there until that moment. So he said, and my spiritual father is going to be here. Now, I followed this pastor enough to know when he says my spiritual father that he's talking about the man, the myth, the legend, John Maxwell. Now, many of you know John Maxwell. He writes leadership books, and I've read so many of them, and I've heard John speak so many times in my life. I'm a bit of a fanboy, all right? And, and when he said, my spiritual father is going to be here, this is exactly what I did. In a very dignified and classy way, I said, oh, 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 it's John Maxwell. It's John Maxwell. And I leaned down. I'm like, it's John Maxwell. And then the pastor from the stage said, it's John Maxwell. And I was like, yeah, boy, yeah. His skin's crawling. His hair's standing up on it. I was excited. Because, see, I'd heard John speak in leadership capacities and business roles, but I'd never heard him speak because he, he used to be a pastor. So I'd never heard him speak just on his faith and from a pastor's point of view. So I got to hear John speak the next night. And, he, and what does he do? He talks to us about the, the, the Apostle Paul's blueprint for sharing your faith and being intentional in your relationships is the very first thing John talked about. And I was like, that's awesome. So John says, here's how I do it. He says, I have a list of people. How many of you guys like lists? Oh, we, we do well with lists, right? We can remember them. We can focus when we got a list. And so he says, I got a list of people, he said, that, I, that God's put on my heart that I intersect with them on a regular basis. And he said, and so I pray for these people. He said, and then when I'm with them, he said, I'm intentional about the words that I'm saying and the conversations we're having. And I thought, John, that's brilliant. I've had a list for years. In my back of my prayer journal, I've prayed for people and I've had a list of them. But, but, but John took it to a whole other level by praying that God would help him to be intentional. Be, be intentional. And then I said, well, how do you do that? You're like, well, I, I'm talking like I got to ask questions. I mean, I was nine rows back from him, but he wasn't hearing me. <clears throat> so, <laughs> John, John, so John said, here's how you do that. Here's how you be intentional in your relationship. He said, you want to find their spiritual spot. Find their spiritual spot. Now, this is not their emotional spot. This is not the, the, that soul spot. This is, this is a place where they're most sensitive inside. It's, 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 usually, it's, it's a longing. It's a spiritual thing where there's this longing inside, and usually that spiritual spot is found in relationships. And so you want, what you want to do once you, you're intentional, being intentional is to find that spiritual spot in someone's life, and that's, that's the place that you want, to, you want to try to help them with. Because every person has that, that, that place. And most of them, again, it's, it's relationship. You don't have to get into deep biblical discussion with them. You don't have to talk to them how it was possible for Noah to get two of every single animal on the ark. You don't even need to have that kind of conversation with them. That's not even necessary. Just ask them about their family. And if, it's, if that spiritual spot is not their family, then, then it's possibly their career. If they're students in college or in high school, talk to them about the career they're heading toward. Like Just, just, just ask them and, and find that spiritual spot. This is simply being interested in people. Can I get a witness out there? This is taking time to be interested in people. So you keep on asking questions, and ultimately, they're going to reveal that area that they're most concerned about. That's their spiritual spot. A few years back, I, I, I was doing a funeral. Many of you guys know we, we as a church started in a funeral home, and I became the funeral pastor. I was the, the premier pastor for funerals, as it were. I was the guy that called when, when the deceased didn't have a pastor. 
And I took many of those because, man, that was my opportunity to love on people. And I still take those opportunities. But I was sitting there, and I was, I was doing the funeral. I was, I was up front, and we were, we were going to be starting in about 15 minutes. And I look out, and, and, and in the group of people that were there, there was, a, there was a man there, and I recognized him. He was my guy that, at my local grocery store, the one just down the street from my house, the one I see all the time. I go past him all the time. He, he always works the, the self-checkout area at my grocery, grocery spot. He's always really nice, and I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, so you need to go talk to that guy. And I was like, no, we're at a funeral. But, but you, you know you get that feeling, right? Like it, this was one of those moments. And so I went and I sat down and I introduced myself and I said, hey, this is kind of weird, but you're my grocery guy. And I just wanted to say hi so that I knew your name and you knew mine and we could be friends whenever we see each other. Is that okay? And he said, yeah, sure. We had conversation about how he knew the deceased. And, and so, so, so I, I did the service and then, and then the next time I saw him, I saw him in the grocery store. I was like, what up, dude? You know, because I knew his name at that point, right? We were friends and besties. And so I would, I would spend time talking to him. In, the, in, the, in the, the self-checkout line. And I would stand there and talk with him as long as he would let me. It, it, got to, it got to the place where he began to share what was going on in his life. Now, he knew I was a pastor at that point. And he began to share what was going on in his life. And, and, and I said, and I'm just asking questions about what he does. And come to find out, he didn't do a lot of stuff because his mom was bedridden. And he had a concern for, for bed spots or, you know, uh, these, these sores on her, on her body. And, and making sure that her legs and, and arm muscles didn't go into atrophy. This is what he spent a lot of his time doing. His mom was really sick. And so, so I asked him, I said, hey, can I, can I pray for your mom? He said, sure. I said, can I do that now? He said, absolutely. I grabbed his hands and we prayed in the middle of Kroger. I don't care. I'm not scared. I serve a living God who heals people. Amen. And so I just, I said, we either believe that or we don't. Doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't have to be a Sunday morning church service. We are the temple. The Holy Spirit dwells here. I believe that. Or Starbucks. I'll pray with them in Starbucks, too. That's right. Or the gym. I'm just looking over here. As I'm looking through, I can tell you where I prayed with you at. Right in public. I don't care who's watching me. Jesus saves. Amen? Amen. So, so I'm sitting there, and I, I pray with him. And then every time I saw him, I'm asking him. I'm like, how's your mom doing? In fact, every time I pulled into the Kroger parking lot, I would bow my head and pray just so that when I saw him, I'd say, hey, man, I'm praying for your mom. Now, don't judge me, all right? Because <laughs> I did do that. I did. I did. I, I, I'm praying for your mom. So I'd sit there and I'd pray for her before I went in. And, 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 uh, and, and uh, yeah, some of you are like, how could you do that? Some of you don't have a list. You don't get to talk to me about that, all right? I got a list. And so and he's on it. <clears throat> but anyway, so, so I go in and I find out one day that his mom had passed away. And, uh, and, and, and I just remember tears streaming down his face, tears now streaming down my face. I'd never met this woman, but we'd been praying for her for months. And I just hugged him and, and held him. We both just crying, got boogers and snot all over us in the middle of the checkout line at Kroger. You find somebody's spiritual spot, and then you add value to them. That was the next thing that John said to do. He said, he said once you find that, he said, you add value to them. You know, everyone has needs. It doesn't matter if they're the richest people in the world. They, they, they may have everything, but they still have needs inside, and, and so... We have to find the needs that people have, and we have to meet them. That, that's what you do once you find that spot. And, and the, the needs that people have are varied. In fact, Maslow, Maslow has a theory, and it's called, he wrote it, something called the hierarchy of human needs. And it was these five things that every human needs in their life as he originally wrote them, but, but he eventually expanded them to eight. And, and, and here's what he said about them. Maslow said that, that the theory was that, that you are behaving 
based on these needs. In other words, you are behaving in a way that is leaning towards what you need the most. Just, just even if you don't realize it, that when you're behaving a certain way, it's based on the needs in your life. Kind of like you all have a need to breathe right now, and you don't even realize that you're sitting there breathing, but you are. You're breathing. You're behaving in a way that is based on your current need because I guarantee you, if you weren't able to breathe, all of you who have a need to survive and thrive would be up running and going, oh, 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 like this, right? Because you would need to breathe. You would be behaving in a way that leans towards your greatest need. And so Maslow said these, these are the things, and there's these eight needs that exist that every human needs. And they're, they're broken down in three categories, and they're simply this. The, f- the first group of, of needs is the physiological needs, physiological needs. This, this is the, the need for food, the need for safety and security, the need for shelter, for, for clothes. Uh, and, and if these needs exist when you meet someone, it's really simple to add value to them. Just help them. Just help them with those needs. Don't, don't share Jesus with them first. Pray for them and say, hope it is well with your soul. Don't do that. Go feed them. Help meet those needs. And then you may have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. This is why we, we serve each other here at the church. This is why we're getting involved with the Dream Center downtown that serves those that are homeless and broke and rejected the low. The, the, the dream, we're, we're, we've got a whole grow group that you can get involved with. They're going weekly down to feed them. And to serve our people, this is why we do that, because we need to meet those needs before we can ever give them Jesus. The, the second set of needs are love and affection needs. This is basically found in relationships, where people have a need to be valued and to be a part of, of a group, a part of a community. Part, they, they need to be loved. They need to be needed and known. This also includes a, a need to, be, to look attractive. Or to, to, th- th- this is that need. And so this is why we as a church, we focus so much on relationships. This is why when you first say yes to Jesus, I tell you, hey, go to growth track. That's like the greatest thing you can do. Not just because you're going to learn your spiritual journey, but because you're going to meet a whole bunch of people that are doing the same thing. Get you in relationship with people. This is why we do grow groups. I celebrate our grow groups. Grow groups made such a difference in my life at the church we attended before. That I'm telling you, we, we prioritize it. Get into a group. You can go out there today. Just go underneath one of the tents. They'll help you get signed up for a group and show you. The leaders are all there. They want to talk to you. They want to help you get in a group. But but this is why we focus on those. And and, and the the group catalog is available today. You can also, and and they start next week. So so do that. But Maslow's theory was that the highest need was centered around uh, fulfillment needs. Fulfillment needs. Every one of you have a need for significance. There's not enough money. There's not enough accomplishments. There's not enough stuff or things that you can experience that will bring you fulfillment outside of a relationship with God. See, God created that need inside of you to be fulfilled, and he's the only one who can fulfill it. He's the only one. And so you don't ever find fulfillment outside of a relationship with God. You just can't leave him out of the process. So as you meet people, if the first two areas, the physiological and the relational needs are met, then you just go right for this one, for fulfillment needs, for, for where people feel like, hey, I, I need to feel accomplished. I need, I need to find fulfillment. And so there's a process to people moving along this spiritual journey to knowing God. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts. Basically, Paul's saying, hey, feed them a meal. He says, and Apollo's work was to water it, give you a friendship. 
But it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. In other words, there's stages in this process. Moving people down that spiritual line means you need to be wise in your spiritual moments. The second way we need to be wise is in our manner. Now, most of you grew up with parents, and, and whenever you go places, well, what they tell you? Mind your manners. Yeah, that's right. Mind your manners. You're at the dinner table. Mind your manners. You go to somebody's house. Mind your manners. There's a way that we're supposed to behave, and the Bible has a lot to say about our manners. In fact, your manners have a lot to do with your effectiveness in Christianity. Matthew 5, this is the message paraphrase, says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. I love the, I love the pictures that, the, that this paraphrasing paints. We call this being the shiny around here. Where, where Matthew, if you, if you go to Matthew 5, 16, the NIV translation says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So people see how you live your life, not that you're perfect, but it's just better, and they'll want to know what you know. So here's how you mind your manners. The first thing is, is make things better and brighter. Do this anywhere and everywhere you go. There's creative ways to do this, but here's fishing 101. You want a simple one? Here's an easy one. You go to work on Monday... Go in happy and smiling and bring a box of Krispy Kreme donuts with you and tell everybody the red light was on, guys, and I stopped by and got them for you. Does anybody know anything about the red light at Krispy Kreme? Oh. When that red light is on and that donut comes off that tray and it's put on a plate in front of you and it's still hot, I'm here to testify and tell you, you don't need to chew that thing. It is so soft and gooey, it melts in your mouth. I'm pretty sure, I've never tried it, but I'm pretty sure you could eat a fresh off-the-belt Krispy Kreme with a straw. <laughs> Just kind of slurp it up. <laughs> so walk in with a box of Krispy Kremes on Monday. Say, hey, everybody, I just want to bless you. Here, there's donuts for you. What's wrong with you? What's gotten into you? Nah, you don't want to know. I just want to be a blessing to you. Make things brighter and better. Find a creative way to do that everywhere you go. M make things brighter and better. It's just so simple to do. Be generous and brighten people's day. You don't have to know all the answers to the Bible. You don't need to tell them about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You just need to put some icing on some people's faces. Amen? Come on, it's simple. Another way to mind your manners is to spend time getting to understand their world. Ah, oh, this, one, this one just kills me. Do you know, I think every bit of racism would just disappear in our world if we all just took some time to understand each other's worlds. That's the truth. Do you know why we're at each other? Because we don't understand each other. We've drawn lines. I think racism would go. That wasn't in my notes. That was just free for you. But if we took time to understand one another, to understand how somebody is wired, why do you think that way? How do you, why do you live your life that way? Why do you lean that way? Politically, oh Lord, why do you believe what it is you believe? Take time to understand their world. I, I was sitting with a bunch of pastors, and they, we were having lunch together, and they were talking about the Eucharist and, and the, the, all, the, all this stuff. They started naming all this stuff, and I said, guys, after listening to them for 20 minutes talk, for reals, I said, guys, i got to be honest with you. I don't understand a single word you just said, and I'm a pastor. 
but I don't get what you're talking about. And if I don't get what you're talking about, it's likely that the people that are far from God don't get what you're talking about. So what you need to do is just either start doing some splaining, <laughs> which is why every time we do communion here, I explain it. I want you to understand what it is so that you understand what you're participating in. I don't want you to be an outsider. I want you to know you're included. You get to be a part. So you either need to start doing some splaining or you need to just change how you talk completely. Get into their world and start speaking in the mental language they understand. You feel me? <laughs> See what I did? <laughs> but it's part, it's part of our current culture. As Americans, we've got this platform on social media where we think everybody needs to listen to us. Everybody needs to understand us. We don't spend any time understanding people anymore. We, we don't stand, spend any time saying, hey, help me understand your, why you believe that. Help me understand why you feel that way about God. What we need to do is do that. We need to, we need to be people who are willing to say, help me understand you. Tell me about your life. That will require you to be quiet and listen. Hello? It would require you to be interested in somebody other than yourself. And if that hurts, maybe it's you I'm talking to. It's me sometimes too. Don't, I'm, I'm, don't, uh, please, I'm not, I'm not coming down on you and putting guilt on you. I'm just saying, hey, be aware. It's all of us at some point in time. For me, I meet all kinds of people. And when I meet them initially, whether it's here in this building or outside of this building, you'll notice what I do is I just ask you a lot of questions about yourself. Because what, what is everybody's favorite topic? Themselves, that's right. So I'm like, hey, tell me about you. What do you do? What do you, where do you live? How's your family? What do you like to do? What are your hobbies? Like, I'm just sitting there asking questions, and then I get to a place where it's kind of uncomfortable, you know, where I'm asking for your social security number and, you know, like, important information. And so the conversation needs to switch up a little bit. People can tell that. I never do that, by the way. I never do that. And so, and so conversation gets to a place where somebody will look at me and say, well, tell me about you. Tell me about you. And I, it's always in these moments that I have to decide whether I'm going to lie or not. You know, as a pastor, you have that choice. Because when you tell them you're a pastor, the whole conversation changes, you know, like everything. And in fact, I actually do enjoy sometimes when I tell them I'm a pastor because here's what happens. They start replaying the last five minutes of the conversation. <laughs> what did we talk about? How many times did I cuss? You know, it's like they're just going through their head, you know. Uh, so I do enjoy that part of it. But, but people give me different responses when I say I'm a pastor. And sometimes people will, will say inflammatory things like, I hate Christians, and I'll just tell them back, me too, man. I'm right there with you. And that just, they just scratch their heads. They don't understand that. Because I know what they're talking about. See, they're talking about the judgmental, mean, angry Christians that you and, all, you and I grew up with. You all know some of them right now, don't you? You know what I mean? So don't judge me. I'm just saying, I don't like them either. And if you're being honest, neither do you. That's what they mean when they say they don't like Christians. And so I just listen to, well, what do you mean by that? Who, what, what happened? They'll, they'll tell you. They'll, they'll be willing to tell you, well, this is why I don't like them. And then you'll understand that, that most people don't like Christians because there's two camps out there. There's, there's, there's this version of Christianity where there's people that have a bunch of rules and they want you to follow all those rules while they're not following them themselves, right? And then there's this other group of Christians who are just so glad to be here, so glad to have our sins forgiven and the grace that we've experienced. We just want you to experience it too because it's amazing and the water's good. Just come on in, man. We're not trying to judge you or beat you up. Like there's just this, this two different groups of people. But you won't know that unless you start listening to people, un unless you understand their world. And so 
People want to talk to you. They want to talk to you about, the, you know, Christianity. They want to talk to you about, well, I like to drink, or I like to smoke, or my sexuality, or this and that. What does God think? And it's like, you know what? I don't even need to talk about those things. All I want to talk to you is about you, because that's all God cares about right now is you and your heart. And he may deal with those things with you later, but he just loves you. I want to talk to you about that. And people have never heard that stuff. You know why? Because it's in your Bible, and Christians don't read their Bible. So I just heard somebody say, it's true, so true. <laughs> they, they just don't. They don't know what's in their Bible, so they, so they can't tell them the truth, that this is all a grace thing. They, they've read the rules, and they know the rules. They don't know the relationship. <laughs> so people just need, to, we, we just need to understand the world that they came from and why they feel the way they do about God. And, and so we need to understand their world, and then the last thing we need to do is, is this, is we mind our manners, or is what we're wise about our manners. It's to show them unconditional love. Do you understand that? You guys know what unconditional love is? Hang on. It's love without condition. You're welcome. Aren't y'all glad I'm your pastor? <laughs> Make it so easy. Well, that, that's what it is. Show them unconditional love. Jesus showed us this perfectly when, when he met Zacchaeus. And if you ever, if you ever grew up in, in going to Sunday school, you, you, you know this story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in the tree, and he said... Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Ah! Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be leading worship right here next week, so. For, for real, so, but Jesus, that's what Jesus did, right? Hopefully the song made it simple what happened. Zacchaeus climbs this tree. He wants to see Jesus. He's, he's spiritually seeking something. He's heard about him. He wants to see him. He wasn't trying to talk to him. He just wants to see him. And Jesus walks by, and what he doesn't do is goes, hey, Zach, you thief, you dog, you need to get down to this tree and repent. Give everybody back your money, their money, because you've been stealing it from them. Jesus did none of that. He said, hey, Zach, come on down. Let's go to Chipotle. Let's have lunch. That's the truth. Now, we don't know what the conversation was at lunch, but you can look, you can look at it. It's in Luke 19. There's just 10 verses that tell the story of what happened. But, but after lunch, Zach stands up and he goes, hey, Jesus, I'm going to give back. I'm going to have my possessions away to the poor. And if I've stolen from anybody, I'm going to pay it back four times. Now, that's repentance. He said, hey, I, 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 we, don't, we don't know. And I think, I think the verbiage or the conversation was intentionally left out of the story of what happened at lunch. So that we didn't follow some formula and say this so that they say that. No, no, no. Jesus just said, hey, take them to lunch. Love them unconditionally. We got to be, stop being shocked by what non-believers tell us and the state of their life. Stop being all offended by that and worried that it's going to get on you. Just go to lunch with them and love them right where they're at. You don't need to, you don't need to change them. That's God's job anyway. You couldn't do that if you wanted to. You couldn't fix yourself. So let's be honest. Love them unconditionally. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he'll let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. You know, we, we just need to be looking for wisdom, looking for our moments and minding our manners. And the last thing we need to do, and I'm going to go over this next week, 
But here's a teaser for you because we need to be wise in our message. 2 Timothy 2 says, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Do I need to make that any clearer for you? He said, the Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. Now, that's a message all in and of itself, right? Difficult people. They should gently teach those, gently. Most of us don't like to do gently anything when it comes to this stuff. We just want to hammer people with, with God's word. It says, teach, they should gently teach those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will believe the truth. We do all of this because of the perhaps. Because you don't understand what being wise in your moment and wise in your manners will lead to. Because perhaps if you're wise in those ways, you'll have an opportunity to be wise with your message. 1 Peter 3, 15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer, which by the way, that word means defense. Now, it doesn't mean like, like you're going to fight with somebody. It means that you, you're just going to give an answer for why you believe what you believe. And I'm going to help you with that next week. He says, give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just bringing it home to you for a minute. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So what do we do? We're going to be wise in our message. We share the hope that we have. Just tell people what Jesus has meant for you. What he's done in your life. This is who I was before Jesus. This is after. Simple. And then you can share your church. Share your church. You know, we don't have a church for church people. I say this often. Like if, you, if you're coming here and you're looking for a church that's here to meet your needs, you're probably not going to like this church very much. We're here to love you and serve you, but this church exists for people that are far from God. And we set everything up because we want people here who don't agree with us. We want people here who are trying to figure it out, who don't know Jesus from a bale of hay. We want them here. We do. And so we share our church. And I'm asking each of you at least once a year to have somebody sitting next to you in a service that is far from God. Just once a year. And there are great times to do that. This next series we're going to do called Toxic in two weeks we started, that's a great time to bring a lost person. They'll love it. But bring them. Have them come sit next to you. And then the last thing we do is, as we share our message, is we share the Christ. We, we share Christ. See, Jesus came into this world for the worst of sinners, which I believe is me. And Paul the Apostle believed it was him too. And Jesus came so people didn't have to carry the guilt of their sins anymore. You know, the hell isn't a place that God sends people who disagree with him or that he's angry at. That's not, that's not what it is. Hell is a place where people go who insist on carrying their own sin and paying for it themselves. You need to get that clear picture in your head. But hell is a place where you pay your own bill. The thing is, though, your bill's already been paid. It was paid by Jesus. And not only do you get forgiveness because of what Jesus did, but you also get a cleansing of your conscience. Many of us, our sins have weighed us down with guilt and shame. That says because of what you, 
the bad thing you did, that makes you bad. That makes you unworthy. That's simply not true. So Jesus came to forgive your sins, but he came to rid you of the guilt on your conscience, to cleanse you and to wash you. That's why we're not sharing simple church. We're not sharing an organization. We're sharing Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can take the guilt and the shame off of your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray in this moment, first thanking you for your word, thanking you for your spirit that is in this place. Lord, I pray in this moment that you would give us wisdom, Lord, to be wise in our moments, to recognize the the daily intersections that we have, God, that these are authored by you, and that we could be aware of that, intentional. Lord, that we could be sacrificial in a way that we take time to to see their spiritual spots, to understand them, Lord, and, and, and to give sacrificially to them so that we can add value to them when we identify those things. Lord, we pray that, that we would be wise in our manner. Lord, that we would, we would be given creative ideas on how we can make things better and brighter everywhere that we go. Lord, that we, can, we would take time to understand other people's worlds so and we would be wise as we do that. And that we would be given opportunities to show unconditional love. Lord, I pray that as as we have those opportunities, that we would be wise in our message, that we would share our hope, that we would share our church, and that ultimately we would be bold in sharing Christ. God, we need your Holy Spirit to do that. In fact, that's why you said you would give it to us, that we would be made witnesses for you, so empower us. Help us, Lord. As we continue to pray, there are people here that are in this room. Right now, this is your moment. Christians, I ask you to be praying because this is someone's moment. This is your moment. You're saying in your heart, Aaron, I need to meet your Jesus. I've been carrying this guilt and this shame, and I'm ready to let that go. I'm ready to be forgiven. I'm ready to have my conscience clear and accept that free gift of forgiveness that comes through Jesus. Others of you are here, and you're saying, you know, Aaron, I'm I'm, I'm empty inside. I've tried to fill this, this need for fulfillment with all kinds of stuff with relationships, with sexuality, with money, with experiences, with with material stuff. I've tried to fill it in every way possible. And I'm empty. I've got something that's just gnawing at me. I have a need to be fulfilled. And honestly, that's all of us in this room. But it's a need only God can fulfill. And so if you're here today and you're ready to allow God to fulfill that need, let me tell you, there's a journey he wants to take you on. That's to know him, to find freedom, to discover that he has a purpose for your life so that you can ultimately make a difference in other people's lives. This leads to fulfillment. But it all starts with knowing him. And so if you need to know him, this is your moment. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer to say, Aaron, I need Jesus to be Lord of my life. This is your moment to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you, have you stand up or anything like that. But I wonder if in, in this moment of prayer, this divine moment. If you wouldn't just signify that, hey, you're going to pray along with this by, by lifting your hand and say, Aaron, that's me. Would you do that now? Nobody's looking around. We're going to celebrate with you in a moment. Just say, Aaron, that's me. I, I, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Just slip your hand up. Everybody, can we pray together? Can we pray together? Let's. Nobody should ever pray alone. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. 
Forgive me of my sins. Take this burden of guilt from me. I give you my life, and I ask you to give me yours. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate with those that have said yes to Jesus? No, I mean it. Like, seriously, let them know they made the best decision of their life today. If you've said yes to Jesus today, you need to understand. There's a spiritual journey God has for you. It just starts with this moment. And if you'd like to know more about that, we've prepared for you something called Growth Track. It's four easy steps. It's four simple classes you can take there during our second service on Sunday mornings. It's a service you're already part of. We do it in our conference room. It's right there off of the cafe. I'm inviting you to take those steps so that you can not only understand the spiritual journey that God has for you, but you can meet other people that are doing it too because you need those relationships. You're not meant to do this alone. You say, well, Aaron, I, I can't go to both services. That's fine. If you didn't have a pastor before, let me introduce you to yours. Hi, I'm your pastor. And I'm giving you permission to skip Sunday morning service so that you can go to Growth Track. Step one is next Sunday. It's on the first Sunday of the month. There's four easy steps. One, two, three, and four. They go with the first, second, third, fourth Sunday of the month. It's easy to go. If you got kids, we'll watch your kids for you. Every excuse you've got of why you can't go, I'm going to just take them. 